So you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you want to make a podcast of your own. Well, Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast direct to Spotify. Everywhere else podcasts are heard as well. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&As and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now. Thanks for checking out the Sports Kid Wrestling Podcast. If you want even more from us, get Vince Russo reviewing Monday Night Raw every single Monday night, Dutch Mantel covering AEW Rampage and SmackDown, and the biggest breaking news with you, the fans, talking about it five days a week with Top Story, all on this podcast feed. Everything he says is based in truth. He genuinely is a needle mover. He genuinely is a huge attraction, and he stays within that character. And he's not getting my acknowledgement, except he tells the truth. But I'm going to tell the truth, too. I'm going to be the one to take him down. Hello, everyone, for SportsKeda.com. This is Bill Apter. And this is Brad Gilmore. And uh, welcome to our special chat with Drew McIntyre. Um, Been a long time since we've uh, talked to each other, and your career has grown so much you've gotten so far since we've seen each other the the main question that i had right now is the the buzz around the fans was that roman reigns and drew mcintyre was going to happen at wwe wrestlemania backlash now instead we've got you teaming with rk bro against roman reigns and the usos what's going on Chaos. Chaos is what's going on. Um, you know, they had the, the tag team unification match that was going to happen. I was nowhere near uh, Roman Reigns of the bloodline. I've been doing my own thing for about 10 months. Everybody assumed it'd be somewhere down the line. Roman Reigns and I would cross paths. And when all was lost, RK Bro were down. The bloodline were teaming up on them. They needed someone to step up. I saw my moment to finally step back into the top flight picture, step up to Roman Reigns and toss it one side of the ring to the other, which not many people have done except maybe a Brock Lesnar and insert myself into that picture. And it's pretty cool for myself to not only be around Roman again, around the bloodline, considering the awesome stuff they've been doing over the past few years, but teaming alongside Randy Orton, who I had such a blood feud with in 2020 and Riddle. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like those are two guys especially Randy now, that are just smiling all the time, having the time of their life. And I never thought I'd see the day where Randy would be having so much fun, not just on screen, but off screen as well. And it's because of Riddle. And I think for this, and I don't think, I know this match on Sunday is going to be entertaining in every possible way you can imagine from an emotional standpoint in the match, moment standpoint and physicality and action standpoint. Didn't you want it to be a single match though against uh, Roman? That's the goal. Um, I want to get that match with Roman. I want to take him down. He's got both the titles. I've been champion twice, 300 days total in front of exactly zero live fans. So I'm looking for my moment. And the only way to get that moment is to take down the man himself. But if this is phase one of working my way towards that match, that's fine with me. You know, I'm a very patient man. I've learned patience over 20 years. And if it takes, you know, getting a good showing in this match, perhaps getting a big pin, 
over the tribal chief. That's good with me. I'm looking to get that match down the line. Uh, right now, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the fans are concerned, he's Thanos from the Marvel movies. He's pretty much indestructible and he's not easy to get to. So if this is phase one of getting to him, getting to that match, I'll do whatever it takes to get that match. Right, Brad? Yeah, you know, Drew, I mean, obviously, your run as WWE Champion, you had probably the hardest job of any WWE Champion in recent memory trying to have that run uh, in front of no fans. But you talk about Roman Reigns and the only other guy who's as powerful, who can throw him around the ring and be powerful is a guy like a Brock Lesnar. You had that unique distinction of being in the ring with Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship, then defending the WWE title against Goldberg, two guys who kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways. I wanted to know, Who's the stronger of the two? Who's the bigger beast? Is it, is it Brock Lesnar or is it Bill Goldberg? I mean, Bill's uh, an incredibly powerful individual. Um, he's still to this day, it works out like crazy every single day, keeps himself in tip-top condition. And Are you talking about Goldberg, not me? Oh, you as well. Also tip-top condition. Physical specimen, yeah. Bill Apter here. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's no comparison if you were in the conversation, but, you know, that's not fair to, <laughs> to, to mere mortals. So we'll stick to, to Goldberg and Lesnar. <laughs> but, yeah, Goldberg keeps himself in you know, amazing shape to this day. has always been such an incredible athlete his whole life. has dedicated his life to the gym. But then there's people that aren't human, like Brock Lesnar, who were just born with these freakish abilities, born so naturally gifted, naturally strong, natural um, freak athletes, and then they develop that skill. That's a Brock Lesnar. Like he's somebody, unlike many other people that have grabbed me in the ring and have thought, oh my goodness, like this is a dangerous individual. I got to be on my, my toes here. <laughs> like he's like not, not much like, like a, a big show in Mark Henry the first time they grabbed me. And I was like, oh no, I don't know what I would do if they just decided to start throttling me right now. But I could run away from them. But Brock, you could try and run away from him, just chase you down and beat you down. Like he's got the size, the speed, the technique. He's such a freak of nature. And yeah, I don't think there's anybody quite like Brock Lesnar that's ever existed on planet Earth. Um, there are a lot of people who felt that uh, you being part of this six-man tag team match kind of took the, uh, uh, the spotlight away from uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who seemed to be uh, in top contention for uh, Roman Reigns' title. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Uh, well, I don't write the show, for one. But uh, two, well, some RK Bro needed someone to step up. And Shinsuke might have been in the shower. He might have been fastening his boots. Maybe he was on the phone to his wife, not paying attention. So Drew McIntyre stepped up and saved RK Bro. That's <laughs> what to tell you. <laughs> All right, Brad? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously Shinsuke would be a great one, but but you are too. So when you have this WrestleMania match back in Dallas, you know I was there. It was an electric place to be, especially the first gathering of that size of wrestling fans, especially at WrestleMania in two years. Um, you went out there with Baron Corbin, and I honestly think Drew, y'all showed up and showed out. You know, I mean, people people say what they will, you know, going in. You know, fans may not love Baron Corbin all the time, but I think y'all went out there and had a hell of a match. What was kind of your overall goal and intention, you and Baron? What what did y'all want to do at WrestleMania, and do you feel like you accomplished that goal? Yeah, I wanted to make people um, feel something, get emotionally invested in the characters in the match, but also I say, wow, that was a heck of a match, bell to bell also. And uh, I've heard some of the feedback, like mostly online. Like uh, you can't 
just take the internet as uh, you know the be all and end all. It is our loudest, most passionate uh, part of the fan base, and they weren't too sure the match was going to be up to standard. But at the same time, I mean, in the live arenas, and I'm listening to the crowd, I could hear the fans cheering Drew McIntyre loud. I could hear them booing Corbin loudly. So it was working uh, from that perspective. But I wanted to show everybody, and Corbin wanted to show everybody, hey, you put us together. We know what we're doing in that ring. We're going to give you a hell of a match, tell a hell of a story, and create some incredible moments. And throughout that match, the crowd were loud as hell. Unbelievable, yeah. actually. I couldn't believe how loud they were inside that stadium. And uh, using his end of days finish, it's never been kicked out of as a moment where people went into the match just assuming, well, Drew's going to win this one, obviously. But, you know, let's see what happens. We we got them for a second with that end of days moment. They went, oh, Carbon's got it. Boom. And that's what we had them. We hooked them. And that's what we're looking to do. People were lost in the match after that end of days kick out. And then after the match, been able to create a moment where I finally paid off the sword. And I've been running around swinging at people. Chances are I'm never going to shank anybody. Maybe I will. I don't know. But, but, but I got a chance to kind of pay off the sword by cutting what was supposed to be the top rope. It ended up being the top rope, the second rope, and almost the third rope. You know, it bent around the bottom rope and almost sliced that third rope as well. Like swords are designed to go with what you hit them with. That was a real sword. It wasn't like a planned stunt or they didn't rig the ring or whatever. I just wanted a significant moment afterwards where... You know, I paid off the sword finally, and we had that match. The crowd were into it. The crowd were phenomenal, actually. He cut the sword, and afterwards, I jumped out into the crowd. They were so good and had a moment for the fans. The first shot is with like, my wife over my shoulder, Seamus's fiance beside her, and Jinder's girl beside her. So there's a cool shot with me in front of the three of them with the sword. And I went round the fans that were so electric, and it felt so good to have everybody back in a stadium like that at a WrestleMania and to hear them so invested in Drew McIntyre after the past couple of years. And if you look, you know, a few years prior, they were certainly not reacting like that when I was wrestling Norman Reigns at WrestleMania 35. Yeah, what did you feel like? Uh, one of the great moments I saw was a photo on uh, WWE.com of you at the top of the cage with the sword. And yeah. just and take, what was that, that whole moment like? Fun and terrifying at the same time. I hate heights. Uh, really? it's, it's, it's terrifying enough being six foot five or six foot seven nearly with my boots on <laughs> never mind being on top of a freaking cage um but you know i did suggest prior man like a, a pretty cool image if i could be on top of that cage afterwards as a final kind of beauty shot and then that's all i said and then i may have been indicated after the match you want to get up there and i was like all right and then it might have been indicated to me do you want to take the sword up there and I might have said, are you crazy? How am I going to carry a sword up there? So I got myself up there. Uh, the panel is not the biggest. So my fat feet <laughs> were like hanging over the edges. So I had to be careful where I was standing. And I uh, held on to the, the, what do you call it? Uh, the chain holding the cage for dear life until I knew we were live. And then I stopped being scared, Drew. And I was back to badass, Drew, posing on the cage. And then I noticed the referee was holding the sword. I went, you want the sword? <laughs> okay. So once I knew we're on replays, I slowly reached down. Oh, delicate, got the sword. Once I knew we're back at replays, I was back to badass through and got that pose with the sword. And as much as I was nervous uh, because it was very dangerous and I don't love heights, I knew it was a badass image. I knew it was creating a moment people would remember and a picture people would remember. And that's what it's all about, as you know, in this industry is creating those special moments. And it felt like a special moment. I watched it back. I was like, all right, it was worth it. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Booker T always says, you know, 
once you have a moment, if you, if you lose it, it's gone forever. And you definitely capitalized on that and gave us that image. You, you were introducing us to your, your other sword, your smaller sword, Dave. Dave the sword and, and your shield. Dave the sword. Uh, uh, back there. Well, I don't, I, I'm sure you talked about it before, but what is the origin of the sword? Whose idea was that? Was that an idea that you brought to the table and said, hey, I have this idea, this could be some cool iconography to go with my character? Or was that something that was pitched to you? That was something that was pitched to me. Uh, I mean, I mentioned using the kilt and some more Scottish heritage um, based stuff a few years ago. I just thought it'd be cool visually and had opportunities from a marketing perspective and a merchandise perspective. And um, it was kind of said to me, you know, I think we know you're Scottish enough to your man's from Scotland, you open your mouth, you've got the accent. I don't think we need much more. And then eventually uh, when I was champion, it was brought up to me uh, by the boss himself. I was like, how would you feel about, you know, wearing the sword, bringing the sword out, uh, so wearing the kilt, bringing the sword out, creating a kind of special entrance. I was like, yes, I love it. I've been trying to do it for years. I say the fact, I'm very proud of my Scottish history. Uh, I say the fact that, Braveheart was such a big movie and Outlander is currently such a big TV series and people, you know, like always tell me how they're Scottish and uh, they love the Scottish history, etc. Um, again, merchandise wise, um, merchandise and then, uh, you know, everything down the avenue wise is so many more opportunities than Big Drew the Angry Wrestler. There's some cool merch, but look at all the cool Scottish symbols, the clan symbols, the sword itself. There's so many possibilities we can do now. And uh, I guess Mr. McMahon said to um whoever in creative um you know we need a sword for them said we don't have a sword where can we get a sword in a pandemic i have a sword so the, the initial sword was vince's sword that was flowing from his house pandemic, <laughs> pandemic sword shop so, yeah yeah <laughs> that's the only place to probably get it back then but just luckily enough my son man has every medieval weapon handy in his house <laughs> so we <laughs> got this got the sword flew to tv and that was the first sword i, I used for a while was you know, his actual sword. And um, eventually, you know, I got my own uh, down the line and eventually we got to name the sword, which was named after my late mother. I was again, a Vince thing, like, what would you like to call the sword? I was sitting with him and I was thinking names like Bloody Bonnie and the Widowmaker and like, you know, the gimmicky names I could think of. And he said, what was your mom's name? And I said, Angela, and it was Angela's the name. And I was, oh, wow, that's a cool tribute to her. So whenever I'd hear the commentator say Drew and Angela, coming down to the ring to take everyone out or Angela to the rescue for McIntyre. It's a really cool tribute uh, to my late mom. So uh, one of the things you put up for so many months, uh, the uh, the so-called humor of uh, Baron Corbin and now his former friend, Madcap Moss. Do you, did you appreciate any of their humor, any of their jokes? Did you have yeah. a favorite Moss joke? Uh, there was one i can't remember where he told it maybe it was elimination chamber but i remember like saying backstage like, hey that one was actually pretty good we're supposed to be bad <laughs> so if you tell us too many good ones i'll start cheering <laughs> but i can't remember off the top of my head but there was one that was actually pretty funny and i remember saying to him afterwards i was like don't forget don't tell too good a jokes till you turn to you turn babyface if people start cheering for you. <laughs> so too yeah. many people these days are supposed to be bad guys and you know they try and do cool moves or they try and say cool stuff and they say they're bad but they're not really bad or the internet will say they're such a good heel which means they're not a good heel like you, you want someone like a carbon that people genuinely detest that's a good bad guy who have no redeeming qualities whatsoever and there's so few people that are willing to commit to that level 
Um, so I made sure after that one good joke, I told him, don't be doing that again until you turn good. So now that he's babyface, he can tell all the good jokes he wants. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's working. So before we, uh, we have a couple of other quick questions, like a lightning round of questions for you. But uh, we want to remind everybody that it's you and RK Bro against... The bloodline. Against this guy. Oh yeah! Wow, that's an interesting piece yeah, of merch. This is a Halloween mask. I was too scared to put on, for obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah what, wow. When you see this guy, when you see his face, what do you think? Well, I, that particular one, I'm terrified. But <laughs> 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 to see him in real life, I look forward to kicking him in the face. But you know that whole Undertaker look he's got going on there, and the mask with the no eyes—it's pretty yeah. scary. <laughs> So, so once you get, let's so talk about the merchandising potential. Once you get to a certain level, like a Roman Reigns, then you've got everything available with you, including that terrifying mask right there. <laughs> that, that pretty much is for Halloween. So, some what we call a uh, of the uh, sports keto wrestling lightning round. Somebody uh, opened up your refrigerator. What did they find? Oh, my refrigerator, I'm never home, so like meal prep, meals, I get the meals sent to my house every week and uh, I just load in the meals ready to get thrown in the microwave, ready to get thrown in my bag to take on the road. Okay, Brad? Favorite wrestler to watch? Oh, this is something right now. I do enjoy watching Seth stick right now, it always makes me crack up. It makes me laugh that he makes himself laugh so much. All right. If you go on, if you have a day off, perfect day off, what is it? A day off? What's that? If you have, yeah, if one day you're not <laughs> wrestling in the ring and you're not traveling and you might be home, yeah. what might you be doing? I'd probably be doing media and talking about wrestling. Welcome to your day off. Uh, no, no, I'm not kidding. Uh, when I'm home, uh, I try and disconnect. Uh, you know, I feel very, I don't consider this work. Like I'm talking about wrestling, I'm chatting with y'all, I'm talking with Drew McIntyre, this is a privilege to do. But uh, afterwards, I'll be doing the one thing that switches my mind off from wrestling and the whole world's hanging out with my wife and hanging out with my kids. Who is the next big superstar? The next big superstar. I mean, we've got people with so much potential, it's hard to say because you just never know for sure. Some people come out of nowhere. I know Braun Breaker's name comes up constantly and for good reason. You know, he's got the pedigree. He's a great guy. I spent some time with him on the European tour. He's picked up this business really fast. Uh, it's obviously in his blood and he's an athlete and looks like an athlete. And uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him and he's young as well. Like a lot of our superstars over the past few years that I've came up and that I was working with, uh, when I've heard, we've got to get the, the kid over. I've been like, the kid's my age, you're older than me and I've been around for 20, I've been around for 20 years, <laughs> like I'm 36. I know everyone thinks I'm like, I'm in 40s, so I've been around for so long, I'm still 36. But he's someone in his early 20s still, much like an awesome theory as well, has obviously got a very bright future ahead of him. But if those two keep their feet on the ground and keep working hard and avoid, you know, the dreaded injuries, they're going to be good. A lot of people have said that uh, Austin Theory is kind of like a carbon copy of your career from where you first started and the way he's moving and moving up. What's your what's your take on Austin Theory? On Theory? Yeah, yeah. I think 
Um, this has been approached like a lot better than mine. Um, I was Vince's chosen one, but only interacted with him maybe two or three times on television. You know, the, Mr. McMahon has like a very strong presence in this particular story with Theory. He's not only there um, by name when Theory talks about him, he's also physically there a lot of the time as part of the story and give Theory that rub. And again, he's a young guy, but he looks phenomenal and he's got a great attitude. He works incredibly hard. And if he keeps on the path he's on right now, which being around him the way I have, I've got a good feeling about him. He's going to do good for us in the future. Okay. All right. I guess this is my last one. When you hear the word legend, first person you think of. Undertaker's the first one that popped in my head there. Probably after Mania just there and and the standing ovation he got from not just the crowd but all of us we just did my hands were black and blue i didn't want to stop clapping <laughs> like and then best motivational his, speech of all time too yeah he gave his hour hour long talk and <laughs> yeah. showed that uh even though he's been talking about whatever i'm gonna eat your soul for 20 years he's very articulate well spoken he could have just spoken his regular voice as well and probably right. got over after i told him afterwards as well so you need to take your take or ted talk on the road and make a bunch of money <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't a hell of a speech. An yeah. hour long, and we were exhausted as well after SmackDown and the other Hall of Fame speeches. And he went an hour, and everybody was still kept. Uh, there were some people who were a little critical of this that their their children, they're like 10 and 11 year olds, know him as the Undertaker, and then they saw him like this out of character. What are your feelings about uh, the fans that are still, and there's a lot of them, the younger fans that are just vested in the character and don't know the real life personalities of someone like the undertaker uh i think it'd be awesome and good for the industry if some of our superstars or could stick more to their characters and not play one character in tv and be a different character on social media and really make people buy into what they're portraying on tv i think it would help from a believability and emotional standpoint Maybe like the like toothpaste is too far out the tube to put it back in, but when it comes to like an Undertaker, you know he's been around so long, his career unfortunately is over now, and it's cool I think personally because he's somebody that hated the cameras being around, would always stay in character. I watched him throw people out of the backstage area if they ever had a camera around when I was younger, and was so protective of that character that he's allowing people in, that he's getting to show that real side of his personality and to inspire people like he did uh, with his Hall of Fame speech, but allow everyone in with like his uh, Last Ride documentary um, and show them what he really went through um, to achieve the Undertaker, you know, character and uh, get it to where it was at, but also what he physically went through um, and, you know, what he gave to the industry, which was his personal life, was failed marriages, was his body. He gave everything to this and it's such an inspiration and it's clearly opened up to everybody and, told them everything he was willing to give to this industry we love so much so when it comes to him i'm kind of glad that he's letting everybody know you know the real undertaker the real mark calloway but for the current superstars i wish we could stick more to the character stuff before we let you go as we know what it will be you and rk bro against the head of the, the bloodline yeah the bloodline uh do you acknowledge him i mean I acknowledge my foot's going to connect with his face. I acknowledge that right. what he says is a lot of truth. That's the cool thing about the character. Like he's somebody, when I talk about people staying within the character, he stays within the character and the character's based in reality. You know, he's been around for a minute. Um, he hadn't quite 
put those final pieces together, even though he was a top guy, even all he'd achieved, even though as much success as he had, it took this tribal chief character to truly go to that super superstar level. He talks about the numbers, and I see the numbers. He's everything he says is based in truth. He genuinely is a needle mover. He genuinely is a huge attraction, and he stays within that character. And he's not getting my acknowledgement, except he tells the truth. But I'm going to tell the truth too. I'm going to be the one to take him down. Well, that's what I was going to say. He and the Usos are watching this right now. Look in the camera and what do you want to say to them directly? Hi, guys. You know me. <laughs> I'm coming for you. And you know I can take you down. All right. And Drew, what would you like to say to all the millions of fans worldwide that have supported you for so many years as your career keeps growing? Thank you. What I always say, I can't do everything that I've been able to do and the times I've been knocked down that I've been able to you know, stand up and keep pushing forward, fighting forward uh, without everyone that's stuck by my side, be it the fans that have been there since the beginning of my WWE career in particular, uh, when I was 21, 22 years old. And the new ones that have started following me over the past few years, like I wouldn't have won the Royal Rumble unless the fans all rallied behind me. Um, from November through December and got to January Royal Rumble and the company obviously went, wow, the crowd are telling us it's this guy. If the fans didn't rally behind Drew McIntyre, wouldn't have been this guy that eliminated Rock, this guy that uh, eliminated Roman in the end to win the Royal Rumble and this guy inevitably who beat Brock Lesnar for the title at WrestleMania without the fans kind of pointing and saying, that's the guy, he's our guy and making their voices heard and I can't do it without them and I can't keep doing what I'm doing right now without them and I'll keep pushing forward, I'll keep fighting and um, you know, we love this industry. Uh, we give our life to it, we sacrifice for it, and we do it happily, we do it for the fans. Yeah. All right, on behalf of Brad and I and everyone at Sports Kida, um, we want to thank you so much for your quality time today, and uh, good luck when uh, WrestleMania Backlash, you and RK Bro take on the Bloodline, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, and the Usos. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. This is Bill After, and as we always wrap up, or I do, we'll see you at the matches. We'll see you at Backlash. See you at Backlash. Backlash.